Hey guys, it's Brian Jodas from Pick Up The Six Podcast. Guys, men, listen up. My friends and partners over at NGBN.TV are committed to you in providing content specifically for men and men's mental, physical, and emotional health. We're hosting a groundbreaking virtual conference on January 7th, and I'm personally inviting you to attend. I'll be there hosting the event all day. The conference is called Men Striving to Thriving. This will be a transformative program that will help you make 2023 the best year of your life so far. And it's not just a kick-ass five-hour conference, it's more. The conference on January 7th will kick off your eight-week journey. So not only will you hear from experts on the 7th, you'll then receive eight weeks of tailored weekly reinforcement and motivational emails. You'll also get access to four coaching sessions and you'll be invited to an exclusive online community that will have all of the conference and program materials. So are you willing to start this journey? The entire eight-week program, including the five-hour virtual conference on January 7th, is only $179. But if you use our exclusive code PICK610, P-I-C-K-S-I-X, and the number 10, PICK610, and the number 10, you can register today for only 159 bucks. We're saving you money just like that on an amazing program. Go to ngbn.tv news, and you'll see the conference link at the very top. We also have the link to register here in our show notes. Kick off 2023 with eight weeks that could change your life and join the Men Striving to Thriving movement with ngbn.tv. We first met Eric Holman on episode 81 when he was running for Congress in Texas. Eric was an Air Force combat controller, and even though he didn't win this round in the political arena, that's not stopping him from finding ways to stay in the fight. We're talking about his dedication to the Special Forces community through the First Their Foundation on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Man, so pumped to have Eric back on the show. Uh, it feels like it was only yesterday, man. We got to connect for the first time. I went back and looked. It's podcast number 81, bro, and we're like at 130 something now. So it's been a minute, but it's good to see you, dude. How are you? Yeah, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you guys have been cooking, man. It's good. Getting after good, it a little but, bit. Getting quiet yeah, down a little bit, are. right? End of the year here. Settle yeah, on the holidays, everybody, right? Relax a little. Yeah, everybody's on uh on cruise control, I think till till January fifteenth or so, when everybody gets yeah. back to work. We uh we jumped on. I was like, oh man, my man looks like he's getting after it. That sure's got some years and some some life to it. What he got on? Yeah, man. Um, it still has got that number six. It's my dive school t shirt. I oh, yeah. believe it or not, Sophie made some great t shirts. That should be a plug for those guys. I, yeah, I mean, it's still collar still is good. And uh, yeah, I was uh running around with my dog. I was like, let me throw this thing on, and yeah, yeah still good. Still, still fits, good so after good. all I'm these not, years I'm, and you wore I'm not getting dive fat, like, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like what 2008. So no, yeah, 2008. Shit, that's a long time. Yep. Uh, shout out to my friends at uh, Go Ruck for making this super comfortable hat I'm wearing. The patch, I think I got it like an Academy Sports, but I was like, nice, well, man. if I'm having Eric on the show, proud Texan for the Gonzalez uh, flag, right? If you guys don't know this story, go look it up. Little Gonzalez, Texas, in the middle of a battle, the enemy's like surrender your guns give us your cannon they had this badass cannon right yeah give us your cannon and they put up a flag that basically was like fuck off come and take it come get it come and get it (laughs) i wish i wish the u.s was like that more now oh i'm telling you man i I think it's like come and take it mentality would be all right yeah 
I, I think the U.S. right now is like we take it instead of come and take it. Uh, the U.S. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna catch heart. up on a lot of things, man. The last time we talked, you were uh, in the middle of a primary race running for Congress. So I want to hear yeah. some lessons learned, right? What you just gathered from that. I know it's probably kicked in. I'll ask you a little bit about it, and then yeah, we're recording this on a day where just like it's a news day where. Look, man, uh, Brittany Griner got uh, traded back to America, right? This NBA, WNBA basketball player for a guy that is an arms dealer and basically a warlord. And look, I mean, you know how we roll here, pick up the six. You don't need me to tell you, Eric. We have documented moment after moment where the United States has gone in to get our people. We we should, right? We should always yeah. go get our people. But I was a little perplexed, man, on a day like today where we trade basically somebody for somebody who got caught for doing some stuff she shouldn't have been doing. I get it. For a dude that yeah. has freaking aided and abetted an armed terrorist and is a really bad dude who now just goes back onto the Russian streets. It's kind of like, what yeah. are we missing here? I don't know, man. You know, it's that's the bad part about politics, right? It's just, I'm sure that the guy in charge, some some moron told him, hey, uh, I think this would be really good PR for us. And, you know, because obviously you're terrible pretty much every day. So. <laughs> Instead of getting that marine that's in that's been in, in in prison out there, he takes takes that one that, you know, hated America, always spoke bad about America, and and we, yeah, that's a ridiculous yeah, it's frustrating, trade. right? It's just yeah. fr- and like, I'm not trying to make too big a deal out of it, but from the position I sit, I'm like, I'm going to talk to a guy today, who him and his friends have lit, risked life and limb. Some of those like Mark Forrester who didn't get to come home, right, to make sure. Mm-hmm. Americans came home. So man, I'm like, I'm kind of like, what are we doing sometimes? What are we doing? Um, I don't know. Circus continues, my friend. (laughs) I know. I know. We fight on. We're going to share stories. I want to talk a lot today about first their foundation, the great work that you guys are doing. We talked a little bit about it before, but want to come back to it. Right. And just talk about the amazing work that you're doing for the community of special operators and their families. Before we do that, though, the last time we did talk, man, you were in the middle of running for Congress, man, I want you to get through that. I know a lot of people did. Uh, it didn't work out in your favor. And that's, that's life in the political game. So man, just catch up to speed a little bit. Lessons learned, did it kindle up a little fire yeah. and you to keep going? What are you thinking? Yeah, that was a, that was yeah, a super good experience. You know, it's um, uh, it, it keeps you going where whatever you want to do, I think people should just go do. Um, that's definitely what I, you know, I liked about that whole experience. So politics, I knew it was going to be kind of a tough business to get into, but you know, I, I followed my heart and I did what I, what I wanted to do, you know, without, without thinking. And um, the, the bad thing is, as it progressed towards the election day and the primaries, the problem is, you know, you have all these trolls and some of them, you know, they can look up information. I mean, your information's out there. If someone really has the time, they can look up a lot of stuff about you, especially uh, being from the public, uh, being out in the, public sector so it wasn't so much uh that i was worried about myself but you know people were threatening my mom and they knew where i lived and stuff like, and, and it's yeah. you know and you don't know what they look like so you could be at a restaurant one day and someone comes and does something right so it, it was maybe a, maybe a blessing um i still have that itch to maybe do it <laughs> so we'll see how how 24 comes yeah, around I but, uh, you did. yeah but we'll we'll see man and you know, I enjoy my my privacy, but at the same time, if good people don't get in there, then we keep having these goons that run the show. And I mean, look look at our country, right? So yeah. that's it's just it just breaks my heart that that's how the country is divided, and you have people that truly just are out for themselves and not really for the for the American people. So yeah, that's it's too bad. Yeah, man, and the 
the frustrating part for me and all of probably you guys listening to is not for themselves, like on, on both sides. I just, I look around sometimes mm-hmm. and I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Like, there's gotta be some better um, options in both ways. There's a lot of people that have been in power and leaders of parties for a long, long time, man. Like they're both probably part of the problem. I'm excited to see people like Morgan Luttrell get in there, you know, join up with other folks that have served, right. That, that just, Man, some some return to having more people in those halls and to put the uniform on, I don't think that can be a bad thing. Yeah, I think that that would help our country a lot and keep us perhaps keep us out of some wars that we are so mm. quick to get into. And and also if we are going to war, then let us get in there and get back out, right? There's not this whole long process and you know, the whole thing with Afghanistan giving them millions of dollars after we left and starting to start uh, you know, negotiations with the Taliban. It just it just blows my mind. It's all that for nothing. You know, the guys we've lost over there for nothing. So, yeah. and granted we were fighting for each other. So don't, don't take that wrong as for nothing, but still it's, yeah. we know we you're hard. No, we know yeah, hard. No, we should have dominated and left. That's, that's how quick it should have been. But yeah, you know, it's one thing for uh, the American president, regardless of political party or persuasion to say, uh, I take it very serious every time I send our treasure into battle. And, and they often probably mean it. I think you would mean it more had you been in that position. Um, I don't know. Just right. uh, those are the things no, I think right. about, you know, and you look around, it's just like, <laughs> sometimes we end up in these high profile races with a couple of duds. I'm like, what? There, there's millions. Look at Pennsylvania, right? Of, look, uh, uh, Dr. Oz, whatever, love him or not, against the freaking baked potato in the guy who won. And like, my dad's a retired three-star journalist in Pennsylvania. I'm like, that guy should be the senator in Pennsylvania. Yeah, He's gonna be so yeah that was, that was pretty that. shocking for sure. Pretty shocking, man. We keep doing it, bro. We'll keep sharing yeah, the stories, yeah. right? We'll keep fighting. Yeah, we'll see. Keep plugging away. <laughs> stay in the fight. I know. Stay in the fight. You know that for sure. Uh, but anyways, man, just good to catch up with you again, right? Talk a little bit. Yeah. You, know, you and I stay in pretty regular contact, which is been great. I really appreciate it. And just love what you guys are doing. So let's catch yeah, me up, man. Question. And I want to talk about first there, but I want you first to tell me this, Chris, AJ sure. rush, introduce me to this guy. Oh man, that's uh, yeah, that's dear to my heart. He was my first supervisor when I, when I became a controller. So I started off in the air force as a security forces guy. So I was a, you know, people that don't know is military police, right. On the air force mm-hmm. base. And uh, my whole plan was, I think I told you before, I was never to stay in the military long period of time. I wanted to get my four years done and go to college and be out of there. But you know, 9-11 happened and I, uh, yeah, I wanted to go fight. I wanted to, you know, do something about what, the, you know, what they did. So I cross-trained combat control. And so I become operational and Chris Rush is my first supervisor at uh, the 321st, which is in England. Super good guy, man. Um, you know, when you looked at him, he's skinny guy. He always had a dip in. His lip was always blue, always drank Diet Pepsis. He was one of the first guys to go into Afghanistan, Iraq. Uh, one of those early guys? Yeah, super yeah. early guy. You know, dropped a bunch of ordnance on the enemy. And, uh, he, you know, he he took a round in the chest one time. Luckily, he had his plates on, so it saved his life. And by the time he was my supervisor, I mean, he taught me everything about warfare, along with the other guys, the senior guys who were on teams. But him and I talked quite a bit. Uh, we used to party quite a bit. It was, he was a great guy, man. It's super humble, down to earth. And uh, yeah, he had his demons, you know. And uh, looking back now in our culture, 
we, I mean, we hit the bottle pretty hard, you know, I mean, that's just our culture. We, we get in fights sometimes and we, and we drink and, uh, looking back now that I'm an older, wiser man, if you will, it's, <laughs> I started, I kind of look back and I, I wish I would have said something, right. Or mm-hmm. I kind of felt something was off, but I, I just didn't. I thought that was, that's just what we did. And, um, six months after he retires, you know, he does 20 years retires and six months later he, he takes his own life. So, uh, yeah, it was during COVID and, and we couldn't say goodbye to him. We had to wait a whole year. So it, it just, at the time I was running for Congress, as, as you were saying, so I knew that there was something we, we needed to do. And, you know, a couple of months later after, after Rush um, took his life, there, there was another teammate of mine who was also up there and he was kind of in the same boat. And um, yeah, I mean, he, I'm glad he reached out, you know, because he was just in a really bad, bad spot. And I stopped, I talked to him for about three or four hours that day and just trying to talk him off the ledge and, it, that helpless feeling of of having your your friend someone you know yeah. someone that you love man is at that edge it, it just that was it I, I i went to bed and you know like i say in um three or four in the morning i woke up and 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 i did it and that's the same thing with congress you know there's plenty of people that are like oh don't run you don't know what you're talking about and money and same thing with a nonprofit. they're like you know there's already one that exists what are you doing but uh, there was a gap to be filled and and I, I did it for them. You know, I love the love of my teammates. So um yeah, that's that's how, how it was, you know, Task and Purpose did a pretty good article about uh, on first there in the gala that we just had and it was strictly out of necessity, man. I um I, I never wanna I don't want one of my my teammates or my friends, you know, to to take their own life because they feel like they're inside that box and they uh and, and they see no other option, right? So uh, I, I get it. I've been there, um, but um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a you gotta, one, you, man. You, uh, look, man. You, you got to do something. You got to do. You feel so called. You got to do something about it. And you know that's why we've just been trying to highlight stories of places like Camp Hope, PTSD Foundation, my friend Chris O'Toole, and the work he was doing to rehabilitate not just fellow soldiers but guys that serve as SWAT team members. Right, the things that they're bottling up and taking home and when you come off of what was just an intense 20 year stretch we've unfortunately had to hear stories like chris's and they've become too common and so we got we the collective we i think part of our role sort of why we started this podcast why we continue to do is is to highlight the stories because i think by sharing them you know Folks can get motivated, want yeah. to support, right? So what's what's the main focus of what you guys with First There are trying to do? Because I know it's not just focused on mental health, but really you want to help folks tackle financial assistance, career assistance. You're helping Gold Star families. So just catch yeah, us up so on, the, on the mission of the organization. It's it's the extension of the team room um, because that gap that needed to be filled when, when guys got out, there's wonderful you know, veteran programs out there and charities and you name it, right? I mean, there's hundreds of them, I'm sure, but no one knows what a combat controller is. And my main goal was to get combat control on the map. So people start to recognize, I'm not looking for the fame part. I'm looking for the acknowledgement of what our guys, the past, present and future combat controllers are going to do for our nation. So yeah, it's, uh, we started treating guys that need help with resumes or just connections, right? It, it, so first, they're, it's, it's as small as we are, we're we're just connecting people to uh, 
hopefully that'll build their network and then that way they can pay pay it forward once they make it say hey um you know first they helped me so now i'm in a good spot and i'm gonna help the uh you know the uh, guys that are coming in or, or actually getting out coming into the civilian world so yep we had a gala and we raised some money and we flew our gold star families down paid for some of their hotels we've had guys that you know fell in hard times and substance abuse and we helped them get um you know caught up on bills um send them on retreats where guys can go and be with their brothers again and, and talk and be completely honest about what they're feeling and and it's and it's helped tremendously so yeah man we're we're slowly getting there yeah what how important is it for those moments right you know you guys serve so close to each other in incredibly high stress environments and then sometimes there's a tendency to kind of go off in your own where everybody's got their own lives maybe they have families what concerns me the most and why I, I think, unfortunately, things like this continue to happen, and there's a lot of factors, but I think a big one is lack of proximity, right? And you can get isolated in those moments. And if you're been used to being in that team and then that's removed, that lack of proximity and purpose, man, that's a that can be a tough, tough thing to overcome. Yeah, you know that lack of purpose is is the biggest thing for guys. I, I believe even uh, there's some guys that are lucky to get out and you know had a wife and kid and they can they have that continuity when they get out and it, it, it's kind of the same thing you know and they they land on the job and everything's fine. But for the rest of us, you know, as controllers, we deploy by ourselves. So we're constantly joining other teams. So when you start getting that box of misery or that box of depression or whatever you whatever yeah. it is, as controllers, I think a lot of us we're so used to being alone that we isolate and we don't reach out even though everybody's a phone call away or a click away, you know, on, on your phone because we don't want to bother anyone else. We don't want, I, I think before we didn't want to let our teammates know that we were hurting and, and that, you know, you were felt a certain way, right? Because if you talked about that, then you couldn't deploy you weapons were taken away or, you know, you, you're kind of taking yourself out of the fight, which hurts the next guy in line because now they got to cover down, you know? So I, I think it's it, that stigma is changing quite a bit now, especially with all, you know, the years of fighting and and the awareness of PTSD and depression and the lack of purpose. And guys are really yeah. kind of just coming out of the woodwork and saying, hey, man, I, I've been there. I, I know what you're feeling. So it, it it has a better platform out there for sure. Tell me about the piece of advice he gave you once. Uh, pretty, pretty quick to the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, we were in a helicopter and it was my first deployment and, uh, you know, we, we helicopter lands and he's helping me offload my bags and, uh, he leans into, in, in, you know, into me so I can hear him and he goes, Hey man, don't suck and don't die. I'll see you in six months. So I, I said, okay. And then, yeah, then he leans in and again, and he says, "If uh, if things get really bad out there, crawl into a ball, and a man with a gun will come save you." And, and then he left, and uh, that's how Rush was, though. He was super funny, yeah. but uh, yeah, that was I, "Don't suck and don't die." Is still, uh, still part of uh, pretty good uh, advice. Thing. Yeah, yeah, still use it, still use it, man. That's incredible. I want to read a little bit to honor Chris's legacy, sure, uh, and give a little bit more context. Chelsea Chapman wrote this. And read it at a memorial. I just want to read it to you guys because I think it hits the nail on the head as to what Eric's talking about. And if you've not been on a team or been in the military at the level that they have, you know, maybe you don't know what this is like. So I want to read it. It says, if you were in Beaver Creek, Colorado this past weekend, 
You might have noticed them, a group of striking, loud, well-built men in dark sunglasses and dark suits. The way they constantly ribbed each other and told stories of the past might have you think they were brothers, except for the fact that they all came in different shapes and sizes with different skin tones and varied accents. You would be right, though, because it's true. They are brothers. They are brothers who forged their bonds through the shared experience of preparing for and enduring war. And they had gathered there, there on a Vale Mountain to honor, celebrate, and grieve one of their own, whom the lasting toll of that war had become too great of a burden to bear. That's what we're talking about, is that burden becomes too great to bear. That's why we got to support organizations like First There. Guys, listen at home. Like, you got to go help support these organizations. And that means give them money. That means find ways to volunteer. So, Eric, tell folks a little bit just about where they can find out more what you guys are doing, right? How they can support the cause, what's coming up. Sure. Uh, they can go to obviously use their handy dandy phones and laptops, but it's first there and it's number one, S T T H E R E dot org. Um, yeah. And there's different ways. I mean, they can do a simple donation, they can set up for a monthly subscription, and, and we don't need a whole bunch. You know, it's just give up a cup of coffee a month or a, uh, a beer, you know, when you go out to the bar once a month and, and that's all, you know, that'd be, it'll go a long ways. And then also we have a shop now that you can wear some of our gear and merchandise and go out there and rip it, you know, and, and that way when people ask, we're like, what is that? You can yeah. help spread the word about combat control. So yeah, all that, you know, besides taking care of the overhead, it, it goes back to the teams when, when guys needs it. And then we have those funds available for, for them to, to get help both for the operator and, and their family members. What kind of stuff will they find on the gear store? Oh man, there's t-shirts, flasks, obviously, you know, something to keep your right. your uh your beverages in 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 cognito, but uh decanters, there's stickers. Um yeah, I, I think you some hoodies patches? now that the winners patches. No, we don't. Um say I could we're use looking one at... on this nice black hat, that black and yellow lightning yeah. look pretty slick. Yeah, I could get you I could get you a lightning. We can make that, no we problem. can effort that, yeah. Yeah, I can I can make that happen. Uh but yeah, it's just it's it's mainly t-shirts and now it's especially hoodies right because yeah. winter's coming we're actually releasing a a new t-shirt either tonight or tomorrow so that'll be that'll be pretty cool just and when you you know we try to keep it a little bit different where you, when you look at it from the front you can't really tell it's a military t-shirt because mm -hmm. i think a lot of them you know you can tell right away like oh it's probably a military t-shirt so that's kind of the I'll hopefully bring up a conversation where people see it. They're like, oh, what is that? You know, and, and whoever's wearing it can can talk a little bit about us. So that's kind of my whole goal with it. Yeah. When you were uh, running for Congress, you talked a little bit about some of the some of the things that happened. But, man, I also get the sense and I just know you that you got to meet a lot of people and got to hear from a lot of people uh, in a good way. So how was that part of the experience? Oh, that was awesome. Uh, you know, it, it's funny um, that there's like little camps, right? I, I was in a in a run in a race with seven other people so it, you know we, we would go to these town hall meetings or and uh there would be you know, seven little battle camps right everybody supporting their own uh their own candidate but the good thing was that at, at the time they were obviously uh, i ran on the republican ticket so everybody there was pretty much in line with what we believed but it was just their their candidate right you got to pick your horse and it was it was great, man. It was it was good to see a lot of patriotic Americans. And I think you also said that at the very beginning. You have both extremes. You have the very left extreme and the very right extreme. And I think most of America is, 
center right and center left, you know, and, but again, if we could just do away with that and concentrate on being good Americans and good humans, it, it would, it'd make the world a difference, but you know, the media and, and sometimes these politicians, that's how you, they divide us and, mm-hmm. and people get wrapped up in it, right? Because you have yeah. certain beliefs and certain values. And when you hear it pushed down your throat, then, then you're going to stick up for what you believe. But then that's that division where you can't, you can't talk about it the way, you know, when we were growing up with our parents, you know, I, I never cared. And I don't think my parents did either who, who voted. I mean, there's friends still came over and Thanksgivings and all that other stuff. But now it's, you know, families are being divided over it. So yeah, it's, it's crazy, just, man. We can't be doing that. Oh, it's completely ridiculous, but yeah. I get it, man. You know, it's, it's, it's strange times for sure. My friend Dave Redding uh, compares America to a, a tent, meaning if you go to like a big party, right? Outdoor wedding, they've got one of those big white tents, right? With the silver poles. Yeah. Everybody's seen them, right? You probably stood inside of them. America's is that tent. And that tent has basically three major poles that keep it up. Which is the tallest of the three is the one in the middle, right? You, you, you're you going to have the extremes on the edge so that it can actually be a tent and it can stand up. But if the one in the middle isn't the tallest, it falls in on itself. So yeah. despite all that stuff, right? Despite all the things that you might see on the news or God willing, maybe you've tuned some of that stuff out right? The middle pole of the tent still in our country is still the tallest, right? And so we all got to kind of keep working to get to that middle pole. And look, man, I get it. Sometimes it's not easy, right? Like it's a lot of stuff pissing me off, man. That like (laughs) the the people that I don't agree with do that. I'm like, man, I'm feeling that pole to one side. I got to try, I got to at least try to keep coming back in to fight for that. Well, there's a, there's a book by Trey Gotti, who's awesome when he was in the the Senate. And uh, I, I read it Actually, no, I lied to you. I listened to it because I hate reading. So I listened to I got it. You, and uh, same, yeah. and he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, he had his certain views, right? But he said, I'm willing to be convinced, you know, and I think a lot of our friends that maybe are not on the same side that we are. I mean, there are friends for a reason, because prior to these elections, there were our friends and we didn't really care. But, right. you know, I, I've had friends that are on the on the Democrat side and, and I care about them and and I would ask him, like, well, how'd you get to this point? Because I, you know, I care about you or, you know, you mean, you mean something to me. So tell me, explain to me how you're getting to there. And I'm willing to be convinced. But a lot of them just couldn't. They would just get angry and shout or say that Republican Party is racist or that. I, and I was like, well, I'm not a racist. So am I, am I that guy? And, you know, so it's on both sides, right? It goes both sides. So, you know, it's, if you're not willing to be convinced and listen to the other guy, then you're kind of, it's a waste of time, you know, and you're, you're just going in these crazy circles that you need to get over. So. Yep. Yep. You got to be able to cast a vision, articulate your point, right. Articulate that vision, try to persuade people you need to, then empower them to take some sort of action. And I'd make the argument that you also need to be willing to listen to. Right. And yeah. Listen, you, you got to do some research because yeah, people, man. Americans are, we're lazy, right? We look at a headline and we're like, Oh, that must be it. But there, no one really reads into it. And the media is just great manipulator, you know? So yeah. if you don't know what you're reading and you're just picking up a headline, then I think that's the problem with a lot of people as well. They just read whatever that first two sentences are and they go mm-hmm. with it. So what are you guys hoping for, man, in 23 for first there? What do you hope the impact is and and uh, what can we do to help? Yeah, so we we are planning already the second uh, the second annual Scarlet Beret Gala. It'll be the 9th of September, San Antonio, Texas. We uh, 
got a bigger venue this time because the last one got filled up pretty good and and it was the dance That's a good floor problem became, to have right <laughs> yeah the dance floor was a little small so so this year is uh it's going to be a little bit bigger and and uh yeah i think w- once the tickets go on sale i'm hoping by march or april it'll, it'll be sold out pretty quick and uh I, you know i'm i'm super excited traction especially with my teammates and their family members have supported us and have welcomed us and and you know they obviously like what we're doing but yeah the the cause is to continue bring awareness to you know suicide mental health uh combat control and and honor what what these guys have done you know throughout history so that's that's the main goal and i I've, I've always said i i don't want to get to a ridiculous level where we lose track of what's the important piece and why i started this the important part is that that cash or that help goes back to the family members obviously there's going to be some expenses that need to take be taken care of but for the most part i don't want to be i don't want to name any other organizations but i don't want to be that large with the, the only concern is when's the next event how can we cater to these sponsors and granted you need sponsors to keep going but you know when they lose track of that then the team guys and, and the families you know end up losing out so I, i'll never get that big and i, I never see it becoming that anyway so uh 23 should be should be exciting man uh, hopefully i invited you to the one last time i know so i was running to this one. 36 yeah. miles in the mountains with my friends in a stinky van you, you had a way more fun than i did i heard dance floor i wasn't doing anything like that no this yeah, yeah. Awesome. no man it was it was fun yeah so we'll we'll have this big one coming up on uh the 9th of september so it'll be, it'll be fun that's awesome so first the air foundation what is uh be being an air traffic controller in a war zone really like because, I mean, being a regular air traffic controller has got to be crazy enough, but doing it in yeah. circumstances. And you, I've often talked about when we told the story of Spanky Peterson and all the efforts it took to rescue Marcus Luttrell during that lone survivor. We talk about moving heaven and earth. You guys are on, in some of these instances, on the other end of that comms device doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So part of our pipeline, our training pipeline is to... Uh go through air traffic control school so that's the thing about combat control i mean i can teach anyone how to shoot after you know train them have them for six seven months and you can become a pretty proficient shooter and do close quarter battles uh, and, and you know and train that way but for us we had to get up at like 4 45 in the morning go pt get smoked basically that's what it was and then you get dressed you run to air traffic control school and you're there for another eight hours and then you get home, got to get your uniform, got to study, and then all over again Monday through Friday, right? And sometimes the weekends, depending on how bad the instructors wanted to mm-hmm. punish us. But then when you you're out there, you know, when you're out there training, you're controlling aircraft from the ground. You you don't have a tower, you don't have a radar. It's all visual, right? So VFR they call it. So it's um, yeah, it's intense. And then when you get in in a, in a gunfight, it's you're obviously not landing aircraft unless you're bringing in a medevac. But then you have aircraft it's called the stack you have you know they're just stacked on top of each other and that you deconflict with uh with altitude so you're in a you're in a gunfight and you're coordinating how you're going to bring these attack aircraft and it could be a helicopter it could be a, a drone it could be a, a fast mover which is a jet or a bomber you know so you have all these planes up there and you're responsible for for who's flying them how they're flying what attack angles are coming or what attack directions are coming in and then if you got a medevac, then you got to coordinate how that medevac is going to come in and keep that medevac safe because they're not armed. So it is, and then you're shooting and moving, right? You're shooting and moving with your team because you can't just yeah. sit back and be like, all right, you guys that's go. The, that's the safe. part to me that yeah. just like takes it to a whole nother level. 
is yeah, is coordinating yeah. all that effort while still being in a in, in a gunfight. Yeah, it's uh and that's the thing, you know, combat controllers, that's what drives me crazy, to be honest with you. It's the I don't know why the Air Force doesn't like to pursue what we've done, the capabilities, because it's it takes a special person. I and Dude, some I would of the be hashtags telling everybody, used this, you guys are badass. Yeah. I, I call it the sons of Zeus, right? Because there's only a, a few people that could be could could do that. I mean, I think the average year of combat controllers in the Air Force about three to four hundred total. And you look at our sister services, they're in the thousands, right? They'll, you know, the their platoons and their teams are just huge. So the combat controller brings a ton to the fight. And like I said before, and I think I said this when I ran for office, I said was combat controller is the most lethal human weapon system on the battlefield and and that's hands down and i'll gladly tell anybody that's in the army and the navy it's 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 a fact it's it's true so my buddy lowell copper probably come up here and kick my ass it's maybe those green berets and eddie penny sorry man and the seals maybe they're just better no. telling people that's what they yeah do. no i love it. i mean better I love telling they're like yeah man yeah green beret Navy yeah. Seal. And those guys yeah. badass badass lethal warriors yeah. maybe they're just better everybody has people. their own thing yeah, for sure, man. It's just, you know, can't knock the, the Army or the Navy, right? They, they've they oh, done wait, great yeah, uh, marketing great. and promotion, and their movies were good, right? They had John Wayne for the Green Berets, and then the Charlie Sheen thing for the SEALs. And and us, it's just, I don't know what's up with us, but uh, I'm trying to change it, man. So if anybody in Hollywood out there wants to make a movie about combat control, yeah. tell them to hit me up. And I, I mean, Eric there's Coleman some on stories. the line, get Dan Skidmore yeah. on the line. Like, you got some yeah. good resources that could help uh, yeah. piece together. Uh, we got plenty of guys that have war. better war stories than I do, but yeah, absolutely, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing what combat controllers have done throughout history. Hey, um, you talked about getting up at four 30, getting your ass smoked and then having to go work a taxing job and train all day. How important is it? How critical actually is that PT first thing in the morning? Could you have imagined gone through that training without getting up and doing that? No, um, obviously your body's your your vehicle that's going to carry you in and out of the fight. So you have to stay sharp. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sure like when you were running in the mountains after a while, you just kind of become numb to it, right? And you have that muscle memory and you kind of, you're an autopilot. But then on the on the air traffic control or the close air support, the cast part, you have to be able to think, you know, you got to be shoot, move and communicate. And then you have the aircraft. It's that fourth dimension where while your buddies are, you know, the either the army guys or the, or the navy guys are laying down fire, you're you're controlling that aircraft, you know, those aircraft, and you're responsible for all those people up there. So, no, absolutely not, man. You got to stay in good health, um, you know, physically, and mentally, and then you got to know your stuff. So it's um, it's a tremendous job, and I, that's why you know the washout rate when I went through was like eighty-five to ninety percent. So not too many people can make that that uh, that reality come true for them. So. Do you ever have a moment where you're looking out there on the battlefield and just knowing what you were about to call in and being like, man, you guys are F big time. <laughs> no, you know, the the one feeling that I had was uh, we had a gunship overhead and uh, we were in a, in a gunfight and we just couldn't find them, you know, because they were mm. there. I mean, they're dressed in plain, plain clothes, you know, they're, you know, they'd shoot up, shoot at us and they'd run back inside their, their, hut or whatever and they put their gun down and come out on the other side and so while the aircraft are looking for guys you know it's you you're hearing rounds coming at you but it's it's difficult you know my my gunfights were further apart but uh luckily we did find one of those guys shoot that was going to shoot an rpg at us and uh the apache caught you know caught him and uh yeah it smoked them so that was that was, that was a good that was a good feeling that 
the, the helicopters were able to take care of that for us. Yeah. He's Eric Holman. Man, guy's done a lot on behalf of our nation. We're grateful for it, Eric, as always. Man, proud of you for for making that run. Just throwing yourself out there, right? Getting back in it, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And, you know, maybe next time, hopefully it comes out on the better side. I get the feeling that it's probably a little bit more in you that you want to accomplish on that front. And then now with First Air Foundation, just take care of take care of your buddies. And then what I really love about it as well is taking care of their families, right? So for the guys who didn't get to come home, you know, those families, it's a long journey ahead. And I've spent a lot of time around Gold Star families and have considered it just an honor and a privilege to get to know them. And, and honestly, man, if anything, just hear their stories, let them continue to talk about their heroes because for the rest Mm -hmm. of the world, unfortunately for the rest of America, it just sort of fades and goes away for those families. It never does. Right. That's right. Yeah. Every gal, uh, this last gala, we had uh, Sean and Andy Harvell's mom speak. And then this one, we're going to have another Gold Star family speak at our or at our event, because you're right. It's uh, not only taking care of the operator, but we got to take care of the family members, especially the surviving ones, because we've put them through hell, you know, and yeah. them worrying about us. And and when we come home and we're a little bit different. So, yeah, man, it, it doesn't work without having that whole unit um, t- be taken care of. Yep. Tell us one more time where they can find out more info. Uh, support the organization, sure. buy some merch, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, first there. So it's the number one, S T T H E R E dot org. And there's plenty of tabs across there and there's donation button uh, shop and a story about rush that you read. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's doing really well for its first year. It's uh, I'm extremely proud yeah. of it. We've done really, really good things. And we're going to continue to take care of our boys and, and our families. Love it. It's the first there foundation. Go check them out, guys. Give them some support. He's Eric Holman. Eric, it's always good, man. Let's catch up uh, in the new Likewise, year. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more as you get closer to that gala in 23. Yeah, brother. Stay lethal out there, man. I appreciate you having me. Always. He's Eric Holman. I'm Brian Jodis. Don't suck and don't die. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast.